Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. episode 172 for Slamfire Radio for September 15th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly, the other Appleseed Princess. (laughs) There can be only one. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And I'm one of your hosts, Adriel, the hunting gear guy in my show. And I am the Ferlatte. The Ferlatte. Matthew is on assignment. Yes, he is. Have fun. Enjoy the assignment, Matthew. Yes. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. (laughs) We are here working and thinking about you doing something funner than this. I'm just kidding. What could be funner than this? Nothing. Exactly. Shooting three we gun. get to hang out. Shooting three gun. I like it. Hey. Right. Since we can't shoot three gun, we'll have to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of shooting guns, Trevor. Yes. Tell us all about your weekend. My weekend was cool. Um, it started actually on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. I um, shot the pre-match of the 2016 Ipswich New Brunswick Provincial Championships. The reason why I shot the pre-match is because I was going to work as the CRO for the chronograph stage during the match. So I went down on uh, 16 stages. I went down on Wednesday and I shot with the crew from um, the Miramichi and shot 10 out of the 16. I went back on Thursday and shot by myself with uh, Jamie Knowles as my arrow and shot the last six stages. Then we then um, got back on Friday to set up the chronograph stage and work the chronograph on Saturday and Sunday until I withdrew the chronograph from the match because it wouldn't calibrate. But that's not really uh, exciting stuff. The... Um, the match went well. Uh, I won the uh, 2016 Standard Championship. Uh, what else did I do? Um, I, wor- uh, I worked on the um, Trojan, the classic gun. Mm-hmm. I have put in a fresh set of springs. I want the 15-pound main spring and a 9-pound recoil spring. I put on a Dawson Precision fiber optic front sight. Now, that's, that's one thing about this Trojan I don't get. I don't know if they're backing down on the Trojan and not making it as nice as it used to be because Trojans traditionally have come with a fiber optic front sight. This one had a black steel front sight and a black rear uh, sight, so it was black on black, which is not going to work for me. So I, inst- I knocked out the um, factory black sight and put in a DOS, fitted a Dawson Precision sight. I hate fitting front sights because I'm impatient. I don't quite have the, the right tools, so I've got brass all over the... Uh, the dovetail where the where the uh, sight goes. I didn't mar up the slide or anything, but it still could be better if I had the proper punches, which I should probably get. Um, I also installed an SVI light touch sear spring. I installed the Dawson Precision extended mag catch and an STI extended button. My five S air Dawson Precision single stack ten round nine millimeter mags came in. So the gun is now ready to go. The only thing I could do other than a full 
a replacement of the trigger group, which I'm not going to do. The trigger's fine. Is a uh, set of ambidextrous safeties. And I think I will probably order them tomorrow. And then I set up my um, a classic belt. I borrowed some single stack mag pouches from uh, Chris Kingston and yeah. threw them on my, uh, what belt was that? That was my uh, FN belt. So I got a Blade Tech holster from Lorette for a uh, 1911 and some single stack mag pouches from Kingston. And I threw that together. The mag pouch has got to go back, but the holster's mine. And there's a match in Woodstock, Owen's Gun Club, but I don't think Owen's shooting much these days, so I don't think we'll see him. But Matthew and I are going to go there on Sunday and shoot a um, shoot an Ipsic match. So with that in mind, I did some dry fire tonight once I had the new belt set up. And okay. then right before the show, I was reloading some uh, 9mm with my powder-coated cast bullets. Oh, I should mention. I was going to ask about those. Go ahead. Um uh, X-Mental Targets is my sponsor and yep. um, signed up with them for, for this coming year. And my X-Mental Target bullets arrived. So I spent just enough time with the bullets to develop a load that makes power factor, sight in the gun, and then off to provincials I went. So that's not a lot of testing. No, and those are the ones you won with. That's awesome right. bullets, right? Yep. yep. So they, uh, <laughs> they're very accurate out of my gun, and I recommend anybody try them. They're polymer-coated, um, not powder-coated. They smell a little funny when you shoot them, but you get used to it. And you don't, like after the first magazine or two, you don't smell it anymore. And, um, yeah. What's they, the smell like? Um, I don't know. It's funny. It's um, almost like burnt plastic, I guess, because they're kind of polymer coated. So, But the barrel stays nice and clean. And um, they worked absolutely great. So I took them to my very first. I mean, this is not ideal, right? You don't develop a new load and then go to your provincial championships. But I was literally out of bullets. So if X Metal Targets hadn't sent me my sponsorship bullets, I wouldn't have had. I was actually borrowing ammo from uh, Snuffleupagus to shoot the provincials with, which was something. It was a Campro bullet, and I was familiar with it. I was going to chronograph it, and I knew it would make power factor in my gun because it made power factor in a Glock. So uh, right. they both use polygonal rifling. But yeah, um, thanks for reminding me. My X Metal Target bullets came in, loaded them up, and won the provincials with them. So I'm very impressed with them for the. First time out, I won a championship, kind of. So, X-Metal Target, they're very happy with you then. Apparently. (laughs) Everybody's going to go out and buy them now. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. (laughs) They they didn't give me a sponsorship because I'm the best shooter um, or anything like that. It's because of my promotion of the shooting sports and my um, promotion of IPSC and my involvement with SummerSlam and all that. And so... You know, um, I uh, teach a lot of black badges and stuff like that. So, you know, when you have a lot of contact with uh, shooters, those are the kind of people that uh, you want to sponsor, I guess. Well, they wanted your face for their promotional ads. Well, I have a face for radio, (laughs) so not a good idea. But anyway, that's, uh, yeah, so I was loading some 9mm tonight, and I don't have any X-Mental 9mm, so I was using some of my leftover, my own 125-gram powder-coated bullets. Cool. Yeah, so... That's it for me. What about you, Adriel? I'm just throwing my barrel back onto my Stoger here. So, unfortunately, my barrel was uh, too thin in the middle to uh, to put chokes on. So, I'm going to have to run it this weekend because <laughs> I've got a three-gun match on Saturday. So, I'd rather run the Stoger than the Partis. Now, that Partis I've been working on, uh, I have a plus one extension on it. And I improved on that uh, that Chinese like nickel that I had screwed into the side to use as a bolt release. 
I improved on it with uh, like a, an aluminum angle thing that I cut so it's not an angle. And I put some skateboard tape on it. And it awesome. is sweet. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and so cheap. Uh, uh, so I, I put that on there. Actually, I used that gun to uh, to go shoot a bunch of ducks too. So instead of using three and a half, I used three inch. I shot the Stoger. And uh, me and a couple of buddies of mine uh, shot a whole pile of ducks uh, over the weekend. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I picked up some new waders, so I got to use those, uh, uh out there. And that's, I don't know if, if you guys ever like went duck hunting and like pulled ducks out of a, out of a swamp or a slough or something like that with waders on. Never. No. It's so funny. Cause it, you look at us at a swamp or a pond, you're like, oh, you can't go in there. It's all like scummy and, uh, it's probably really deep. But if you put waders on, you could actually like walk out unless it's a, uh, like a, a farmer's dugout or something like that, where it's really deep. You can walk out really, really far. And uh, all the ducks that I that I ended up shooting, I just like walked out and grabbed them. So it was kind of funny because uh, it's almost like having like a, a really uh, almost useless superpower. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's all it's almost like it's that. Hip waiter man. Just so I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> the ability I'm wearing to walk out into pants. a swamp. <laughs> I'm wearing rubber pants and I can walk in water. What is this sorcery? <laughs> God, you need to get out more, man. Oh, yeah. oh, it's so, st- it's like stanky though. Like all those, like you stir up all this anyways. Yeah. So we went and shot a, bu- a whole bunch of ducks. Uh, didn't get any geese, but a whole bunch of, a uh, whole bunch of ducks. And yeah, that Stoger barrel, <sighs> you're, you were saying that, um, uh, tactical ordnance might be able to do like a, a thin choke though. So I might try them. I might contact them. Cause yeah, it's just a little bit thin. It's just, <laughs> I need something shorter. It's 28 inches, like way too much for three gun. I need a shorter barrel. You could Stoker also just needs to bring it in. Sorry. You could also talk to well, Chris Babes is one of the first ones that got a twenty-eight inch verse max cut down, and um, I don't know exactly what process Casey goes through, but I know that when Casey is done cutting down a twenty-eight inch verse max, he doesn't use a rem choke or the verse max choke. It's some other brand of choke, and um, that's all I know. It could be because it's thin wall. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's. I think that's what they're called. It's like a thin wall choke. So, and and, and those those can be installed on a on a much thinner uh, barrel wall than normal. But I don't know. I mean, so I'll, uh, maybe worth I'll looking email. into. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely send them an email. He's worked on all three of my shotguns one way or another. He's cut the uh, my five ninety eight one. Of course, that's not thin, but he threaded that for rem chokes. He cut down a a 870 28-inch barrel and threaded that for rem chokes, and he did the initial modification work to my uh, Versamax, opening up the uh, the port and all that good stuff, welding the lifter and. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to get in contact with him. I bought a bunch of like non-gun related stuff. I picked up a, a blind from Cabela's because they had some on sale for 125 bucks. So I got like a, a pop-up blind. I'm going to use that for deer hunting as well. And uh, let's see. A neoprene mask, but eh, non-gun related stuff. <laughs> Kelly, what were you up to? Well, I just came back from Ohio. So we were down there t- teaching an apple seed with, um, well, with Stacy and Red and everybody. But on Friday, we got to do a little bit of fun shooting before apple seed. I shot a 50 cal. Boom. Awesome. Pew, pew. Big, but louder. Pew, pew. No, it was, yeah, it was really, it was bang. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, expensive to shoot though, so I'm just I don't know if I could do it up here. Um, yeah, I was able to shoot uh, some other little things as well. When I and, you know emphasis on the little, so a Glock 42 and a Glock 38, 
and even shot at uh, Keltec PMR thirty. Have you guys uh, had a chance to shoot those at all? Nope, seen them. I try not to touch Keltec products. <laughs> they got some cool stuff. It's innovative. It's just like they they clearly are made for a price point, but uh, yeah. they're really innovative guns. Like I wish I wish they. Uh, I wish they put a little bit more design into like making them look good, uh, but the operating mechanisms on it are, are, are yeah. always really wild and uh, and really interesting. Well, this one was kind of interesting. It looked a little bit like a space gun, but it also it had a lot of muzzle flash in that too, so it was quite cool. And that, so yeah, that's what I did. The other thing that we've been working on is there's a lady shoot going on this weekend in Napanee, so going and picking up prizes and all that. Uh, SFRC is donating some stuff and been talking to some of the ladies here trying to coordinate that and, you know, and targets and everything like that. But uh, that's everything that I've done. Cool. Yeah, that's everything that I've done. Uh, upcoming events. So we have Rick Woods. Uh, he's from Fire Art Solutions Training. He's uh, teaching an urban pistol course in Barrie, Ontario, and it's going to be happening this Saturday. So if you're interested, go check out his website because I think there's still stuff that's going on there. Uh, the 2016 Algonquin Cup will be taking place at Eagle Lake Gun Club in Sundridge, Ontario on September 18th. So that's this Sunday as well. A lot of the stuff is happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. We have Brian S. He sent us a Valkyrie Defense Counter Ambush Course Concepts course uh, in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's happening on October 9th. And we also have something happening. I don't know what this is. It's a handgun course or something. I don't know. Uh, Trevor, you want to talk about that? Um, sign up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need detail. Just sign up. For, uh, for Latsy Training Academy. Yeah. Uh, is offering basic handgun and critical handgun in uh, we don't know if it's St. Paul it very may very well be St. Paul again I uh, I'm happy to go back to St. Paul I don't know Adriel do did we discuss the location no not yet no I, I think mean, it'll probably be St. Paul again yeah. uh, July fifteenth sixteenth in um, Alberta for sure that much we know um, so there are only four spots left in basic handgun. And um, the critical handgun day two is now full. So, um, yeah, four spots left. Sign up. It'll be sold out by, you know, January for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about caps because we received some unfortunate news from the CFO. Uh Uh-oh. As um, the listeners who have been following um, the story of caps and Dave Young, he was told by the Quebec CFO he was no longer allowed to train civilians with live ammunition on ranges approved by the Quebec CFO. So Dave insisted that I check with the New Brunswick CFO because he didn't want to get anybody in trouble and he didn't want to, you know, uh, sometimes we have the attitude here that, well, you know, it's easier to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Well, that's not Dave. Dave is 100% upfront um, before he does anything. So he was very insistent um, that I check with the CFO. So I did. I emailed the CFO and I sent him a link to Dave's website and I said, I'd like to know if um, we could, you know, if there are any issues having Dave teach a course at the Rescue Gun Club. And he got back to me and said uh, that the ranges in New Brunswick are approved for competitions and target practice, uh, but they're not approved for, you know, this kind of activity. So, you know, shooting bullets is shooting bullets, but not necessarily. Uh, I'm going to be play uh, devil's advocate here. 
and let's assume that we needed to have ranges in the first place, which we shouldn't. We should be able to shoot our guns in the woods or wherever it's safe and legal to discharge a gun. We shouldn't be restricted to a range, but this is Canada. And the point of view of the CFO is that um, this is simply not an activity that is approved on our ranges. So if it's not something that is pre-approved to use the range for, you're basically automatically not allowed to do it. That being said, well, we're not pre-approved for Tannerite, but we're allowed to use Tannerite in New Brunswick. We're allowed to manage ourselves in that respect. But um, no, his opinion was that the New Brunswick ranges, the ranges in New Brunswick are not approved for training civilians in self-defense. What about like training them for whatever else, like training them for cowboy shooting or training them for, I don't know, like you could argue Cow- that. Cowboy, no, cowboy shooting is a pre-approved activity. So if you want to have a cowboy shooting clinic or an IPSC uh-huh. clinic or a basic handgun clinic, uh-huh. you're allowed to. But as soon as you say you're training civilians in self-defense, you're training civilians to use firearms in self-defense, then that's that's not approved anymore. Hmm. So apparently our ranges must be approved for armored car guards, must be approved for RCMP. I mean, the RCMP thinks that the rules don't apply to them because they're federal when they use our ranges, but... Hmm. You know what? I mean, they're still using ranges approved and certified by the province, so they can't go there and do things that we're not allowed to do, or can they? Where do the double standards stop? I'm just not sure. So, are we mildly annoyed? Yes. Will it stop us? No, because as Dave said, he is set up to teach this class with laser guns. So the class is still going ahead. Um, we So... If anybody had signed up and wants to drop out because we're not using live ammunition on the range anymore, send us an email and uh, we'll take your name off the list. That being said, we received um, Pierre Luke from my club uh, sent us an email today. He wants to sign up and he'll send his tuition in in a couple of days. So the intent of this course is not to teach you how to shoot. It's to teach you when to shoot and then put you in situations where you can use the judgment you were taught. But it's not a handgun class to teach you how to be a better marksman. So don't worry about the fact that it's lasers because the emphasis isn't on shooting live ammunition. The emphasis is on learning when to apply the skills. So don't let the lasers dissuade you or discourage you. Come on down anyway. It's October 15th, 16th at the Rescue Gun Club. It's actually not going to be at the Rescue Gun Club. It'll be held at a um, a undisclosed location. Uh, the deadline to register is October 1st, so we need your money by October 1st. Um, minimum of 12 students, max of 15. Currently, I guess with PL Luke, we're now at seven people that have committed. So we need, uh, we certainly need a few more. Contact Slamfire Radio to register and contact Dave Young on his CAPS website to pay. Right. And Dave Young's Canada's own. Misada Yub, yeah. Exactly. He's, so if people he, don't know who yeah. Dave is. He is our Canadian resource for all things self defense with firearms and the laws around. Uh, the criminal code and mm-hmm. self-defense. So, I was reading his biography. It's quite or extensive. Extensive. <laughs> yeah. Right. He does a he does a lot of um, um, testify. I was going to say testification. That's not a word. Testifies in court <laughs> as an expert testify. witness. Yes. Wow. An expert witness yeah. testify. So, yeah. And in case Andrew is listening, it's Ragnarok Tactical. Excellent. All right. I always knew it was. Just messing with you, man. <laughs> Ragnarok Tactical is presenting a carbine operator course in Guelph. Do you even, do you even operate, bro? 
<laughs> God. <laughs> All right. You're missing. Anyways. A golf rod and gun club in Guelph, Ontario on October 15th, 2000, 2016. Contact Andrew Vincent at uh, the podcast there. Which podcast is he on? Canadian Patriot Podcast. <laughs> You're awful. I know. Anyways, give him a call or drop him a message. <laughs> Sign up. There's a link in the show notes. Cost is one seventy six ninety nine. <gasps> yeah, that was last week. There was a link in the show. Sorry, let me try that again. One hundred seventy six dollars and ninety nine cents. That's better. Plus I'm tax. Gonna, I'm going to tell Trevor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So let's talk about guns in the news. Who put in the one about uh, carrying handguns skyrocket? I got it. I got the article uh, open here. Uh, Basically, there's a lot more people filing for ATCs. Oh, I wonder why. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Somehow, for some reason, the number of applications across the country rose from 386 to 564 between 2011 and 2013. Uh, in that time period, they more than doubled in BC, and they more than doubled in Alberta. So, lots more people applying for it. I've um, got a couple of comments in here. If someone applies for an ATC and it's really deficient. They're not a prospector. They don't go have a, have a wilderness occupation. They just want to uh, want it when they go camping. We just say you don't qualify, and they don't pursue their application. This is the uh, uh, chief firearms officer from uh, Ontario uh, providing that quote. And uh, the other thing that they're mentioning here is that there's a higher number in BC, Alberta, and the Arctic, primarily due to the presence of predator predator animals. Uh, We find that there's been a growing concern about the bears, just generally both among corporations and the general public, said Eric Eric Beer, a use of force instructor at Silver Corps. Uh, There's been an increase in interest in bear defense specifically. Yeah, I mean, so if you're at a, for example, like a work camp here in Alberta, uh, there's actually like notices that go around where it's like, hey, there's there's a bear at, at the east entrance. Don't use that entrance right now because there's a bear outside. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, if you're if you're out in the wilderness here in Alberta or in BC or you know Alaska, it's or sorry the Arctic. Um, yeah, you may need a. It, it absolutely makes sense that a pistol would be easier to walk around with and work with than a, a rifle or a shotgun that's kind of bulky and slung across your uh, your back. So. I understand, and a uh, pistol is also quicker to deploy compared to a rifle or pistol, so or a rifle okay. or a shotgun rather. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that more people should be applying for those ATCs because uh, all across the U.S., uh, there, there was another uh, state that just recently got constitutional carry, uh, Missouri, just yesterday or just the last yeah. couple of days here. Yeah, it was Missouri. All across the states, they're getting they're getting uh, right to carry, and there is no blood in the streets. So if you know, we've got our case study to the south of us, where where we're we're clearly seeing this uh, uh, ramping up over the last uh, decade or so here, and there's no blood in the streets. We should we should be pushing for this in Canada. Maybe not with the current regime, but uh, with the next one, I guess. We saw a um, significant increase in applications after the um, Parliament Hill shooting. Yeah, we did. And then some military guys got run over in Quebec, and it was like, all right, uh, we're being targeted. So, yeah, they got flooded with applications for ATCs, and uh, everybody got shut down, of course. But they are out there, and I don't mean wilderness carry. I mean, Dave is one of the people who qualifies people for a license to carry. So, you know, if there's a need for somebody like Dave, that's just because they are, in some cases, giving people the license. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's something that I think we should push for some more because, yeah, I mean, if if let's say I'm go out bow hunt, I'm when I bow hunt, I'm bow hunting on land where there are black bear, and uh, <laughs> it would really be nice to have a pistol when I'm walking out there in the dark in the morning and I know Stop. there are bears around. <laughs> Stop! I bow hunted bears for years and I didn't take nothing in the woods but a bow, and then I shot the bear and ate the bear. Man up! You should use a spear. What do you? All right, let's not for? get that silly. <laughs> All right, so the next story that was put in was sent to us by James, and it's in regards to the Montreal uh, Dawson shooting. It's the 10th anniversary of that, and they were talking about the fact that the uh, guns that were used in the Dawson um, shooting are basically that gun manufacturers adapt the weapons uh, to each country's law, improving sales and firearms, expert explains, that uh, they're more accessible than ever, and they should be actually band uh so what do you guys think about that the one that was used then was the uh, beretta cx4 storm and it was remanufactured to have a longer barrel they were saying from a 40 to a 48 and therefore it's more accessible it's no longer restricted and so that any they're saying in the article that anybody can buy it and go and use it they don't even have to go to a range to use that so yeah so they are um they're just pointing out that um, there are a lot of what they consider military-style rifles in the Canadian yep. market that are non-restricted because manufacturers are meeting the demands of the Canadian market. And yeah, they're they're building guns. Well, they, you know, the Type 81. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yep. a, a CZ858 is awesome with a 14 and a half inch barrel. Luckily, we're able to also get them with an 18 and a half inch barrel. You know, making them non-restricted. Um, yeah, I think the antis have known this for a while, that gun manufacturers are making guns to satisfy the definitions in the Canadian um, law in order to uh, sell them to us. I mean, um, four-inch revolvers are not allowed, so what does Ruger and Smith do? They build 4.2-inch revolvers. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, of, of course they're going to make stuff to, to, to our market requirements, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, and I mean, um, there's a lot of other things popping up in the news. The liberals are, uh, there's whispers, there's changes coming. Well, this, when, once you st- see the CBC starting to crank out like article after article like this, it's, it starts yeah. to raise the hair on the back of your neck that something's, something's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the uh, the article that was put in about the OPP <clears throat> and the investigation of the sol- stolen gun from their trunk? You want to take that one? I, I think I threw it in there, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, I want to talk about the one on Caliber Magazine. Okay. Well, Why don't you talk? Go uh, ahead, Adriel. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the thing that struck me here is, the, <laughs> I don't know, the, the you know, oh, well, I sorry, it was stolen from our trunk kind of thing. So give us, give us the backstory. <laughs> what happened? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll read this part out here. Uh, judge laid out the details of the bungled investigation that led to charges being withdrawn against the father of uh, one of four young males who took a lockbox <clears> containing <throat> an OPP-issued Sig Sauer uh, P229 handgun, three, cli- three clips of ammunition. I said it. It's in the article. A container of pepper spray, an ASP baton, handcuffs, and a police radio from the trunk of an officer's car in Carp sometime in uh, November 2013. Uh 
the uh, according to Ontario Superior Court Justice, the uh, Ottawa police called the OPP on November 25th to tell them the police equipment had been stolen, uh, but that the inform- information was disregarded by the OPP for a full 17 days. It wasn't until December 12th when the OPP detective whose equipment was stolen finally reported the missing items that the OPP assigned a team of detectives to inv- investigate the case in a priority manner. Let, let me stop you right there. If one of my handguns is stolen out of my car and I wait 17 days to report it, what do you think will happen to me? What will happen to you if you if a handgun's stolen from your car? It shouldn't ever be stolen from your car, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and coupled with the fact that it's stolen from my car, I wait 17 days to report it stolen. What do you think is going to happen to me for waiting 17 days? Well, you're going to be coming to see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> what do you like for breakfast? <laughs> Conjugal visits. <laughs> Christina. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. It's it's a uh, you know case of. All right. So the so this. what happened? Somebody stole the stuff out of his car. They found it. But <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll shortcut it. They 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 found it. They uh, they went to the residence of the young male who had reported he had the gun. They called his father. Came out to meet them. Uh, and uh, uh, they told the polite and friendly father they believed his son was involved with the theft of police equipment, uh, and then uh, the police did involve the father was uh, involved, asked about the theft. The father quickly blurted out that he knew where the gun was and that he was uh, the one who had filed off the serial number and locked it away. Huh. What? That nice. guy needed to be locked up. Nicely done. Okay, yeah. so, well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that, the, that the people in possession of the stolen goods were dealt with accordingly. Were there any um, repercussions for the law enforcement agencies here who allowed their gear to be stolen and didn't report it right away? Well, uh, is this story about the law enforcement or is it about the criminals who stole from law enforcement? Both. Uh, I think the the piece that uh, is a little bit uh, interesting is just a little bit lower down here. Um, uh, Just a little bit lower down, the father's lawyers argued that the search violated the father's charter rights to be protected from warrantless search and seizure. The judge agreed. So apparently saying, I know where the gun is, and I filed off the serial numbers, is, uh, is not a reason enough to, uh, to search and, uh, and find that, uh, that illegal weapon. But uh, exigent circumstances, this is the judge speaking here, exigent circumstances are extraordinary powers that are to be used only when necessary. Uh, said Roger, who later noted the gun had been in the cooperative father's possession for close to a month without incident. Hadn't shot anyone yet. Uh, I do not accept the arguments of the Crown that there was a need to act to protect life, prevent injury, and prevent the commission of an offence or protect the evidence. The presence of a gun in and of itself does not necessarily pose a risk to the public or to life. Wow. Buy that man a glass of scotch. That That's going to be used in further cases. That whole the statement. Pres- the presence of a gun in and of itself does not necessarily pose a risk to the public or to life. And maybe that's why as a civilian I'm allowed to own them, you think? Maybe? Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, I'm in the presence of a gun right now and uh, yeah, yep, how, nothing's happening. How many guns have you actually filed off the serial number and know that it's coming from an OPP yeah, officer's none, trunk? None. Exactly none. none. The guy admitted to <laughs> the highlight, admitting a criminal of... Anyways. Yeah, the ahead. highlight to this story <laughs> is that... Uh, the judge said those words and they yeah. can't just use the fact that there's a gun there as a way to throw his rights out the window and sure. ransack his house. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you even, know, even, even though he admitted to having it and 
Yeah, so this is probably the most conservative judge in Canada. Yeah. Well, at the bottom here, it says, as for the officer whose gun was stolen, the OPP would only say the matter was resolved through internal discipline under the Police Services Act. Okay, that's fine. Week off, no pay. Yep. Probably. Something like that. (laughs) All right. I don't know what you guys can, but I can't afford to to lose a week's pay, so. Me neither. Nope. Mm. I'll leave a mark. All right, next one. Caliber Magazine, you said you wanted to to talk about yeah, this one. Yeah, so um, in conjunction with the news story that came out about the Dawson College, it was the anniversary of the Dawson College shooting, and mm-hmm. that prompted the news story about all these non-restricted semi-automatic rifles that the liberals need to go after. So alongside the news story about gun control in Canada on the anniversary of the Dawson College shooting, CTV News put up a poll and asked the question, do mm-hmm. we need stricter gun control in Canada? And almost immediately, it was a resounding no. And because it wasn't the result they wanted, they pulled the story. So Caliber Magazine, or they pulled the poll. So Caliber right. Magazine asked the question, the media bias in Canada, real or imagined? So this is from Daniel Fritter, and it was published on September 15th, so today. Um, as Canada's media remembered the tragic shooting at Dawson College that occurred 10 years ago, much of the rhetoric surrounding the media coverage hinged on the argument of gun control and the supposed lack of additional controls brought to bear since the shooting. Okay. Um, An obvious contentious issue, CTV News Montreal opted to ask the public's opinion alongside their Dawson College covering with a daily poll asking, does Canada need tougher gun control? So in no time, it was up to 78% no. All right. And then it was gone. So the author continues. He says, we can't tell for sure because CTV, uh, so it was up to 78%. Was it going to keep going higher? The author says, we can't tell for sure because CTV News removed the poll from their website. We sent CTV News an email asking why. This is the response from CTV News director in Quebec. While TalkBack is not a scientific poll by any measure, the aim is to have have a result that is a fair gauge of public opinion, <laughs> rather than reflecting the ability of an organization organized campaign to mobilize voters on one side of the question or the other. So clearly, CTV News feels that you know groups like the CCFR went and and published this poll all over social media and encouraged gun owners to go there and vote it down. Of course, that's what happened. Yes, it is. Of course, that's what happened because that's what we do because we need to have our voices heard. That's what the antis do too. I mean, exactly. this isn't just a pure gun owner thing. Yep. So the CTV um, representative continues. He says, for that reason, we reserve the right not to publish the result when we detect an organized effort to influence the outcome. Man, the world is run by those who show up. The outcome reflected the desire of the people. I mean, that's, yeah, so we got behind, we got organized to tell you what we really think. But since what we think doesn't go with your agenda, you take it down. If it was a resounding, yes, we need more gun control, you can be sure it would have stayed up. So the author continues, or the um, CTV rep says, this was the case last night. After reviewing the results and voting patterns, we were not satisfied the talkback results were an accurate reflection of the general audience's views and may have been influenced by external effort 
to sway the outcome. Absolutely. For that reason, we were unable to rely on the results from a journalistic perspective. This is such a crock. We, could, we concluded it would be inappropriate to publish them. Bull crap because it didn't go your way. However, in April of this year, CTU ran this article, and there's a link to an article here, with the headline, Two-thirds of Quebecers want a long gun, want a, uh, long gun registry. registry. But when they put that poll forward, the questions were swayed in such a way that they most people would vote for... Yeah, we need a registry, but they did not. Who did they ask? These, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So the bias, <laughs> the bias is allowed to go one way, Kelly. I, yeah, I know. So, so anyway, that's it. When the poll is in their favor, it stays up. When the poll is in our favor, it comes down. That's the moral of the story. And I'm glad that Caliber Magazine stepped up and contacted these guys. So. Mm-hmm. Well, so. CT, CTV Montreal. Uh, we know that the base. Mm, there's a lot of people in the city of Montreal themselves who watch such, you know, watch CTV Montreal, and they are not in support of guns. But the people Montreal in Montreal is very liberal, right? Quebec City is actually quite conservative. Correct. So their listener base or their their viewer base is a very liberal um, base, mm-hmm. and they were expecting a different result in their survey. Yes, they were. So yeah. All right. That's enough for the news. <sighs> Yeah, I've got was, uh, uh, one more in there. Yeah, go um, for it. Okay, well, th- this is a, a, a new couple. This is actually uh, I, the guy I bought my Stoger from. Uh, he's in Edmonton, and uh, he made a new company called Spectre Ballistics. And all they all they do right now is they've got a, a couple of muzzle brakes. Uh, they've got one in three hundred eight, one in two two three. They look really cool. And uh, he's also got an SKS magazine block thingy. That lets you take those like duckbill Tapco mags and like really chop them down so that the the duckbill is not nearly as bad. Uh, so I don't know if I'd do anything with the SKS thing because I kind of like the fixed mag, but the uh, the <clears throat> uh, muzzle brake on it is really cool. You heard it here first. He doesn't believe in full cap mags for hunting, and he likes the fixed mag on an SKS. <laughs> We've got a flood in our midst, Kelly. <laughs> it's okay. It's Adriel. No, it's not okay. Well, if you okay, here, here's uh, let's let's flood it up. Uh, go okay. well after let's the show and, and listeners, uh, Google the Adler A110 Rockstar and take a look at that one. I shared it on the Hunting Gear Guy Facebook page, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it a lot. Never heard of her. You'll have to take a look. It's very special. <laughs> You're special. <laughs> All right, somebody move us into the main topic for the love of God. So tonight's t- main topic is about Three Gun, and we have Dave Hartman from the Three Gun Show podcast. Welcome to the show, Dave. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, pretty excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, actually, we, uh, uh, Trevor, Matthew, and I uh, met one of your listeners uh, while we are kind of on tour here in Alberta, and uh, we had met Mark with a K, and he mentioned that he listens to your podcast. I didn't even know that there was a podcast that was dedicated to Three Gun Shooting, uh, so when he mentioned, I, I subscribed immediately, and you've got a really cool uh, format. You kind of like you, you do your your intro where where you record it at home or, or wherever the case might be, and then you've you've got your interviews. So it's a it's a really nice, tight, uh, uh, short show f- format that uh, I, I really enjoy it. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, you know, coming from you guys who've been doing this for a long time, that's uh, that's a good compliment. I, so thank you. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. I I usually try to just keep the uh, you know the conversation to the conversation, and then uh, the intro and outro is just usually kind of some teasers stuff we talked about or catch up stuff that uh, that I need to like admin wise, like telling people to go like us on Facebook and all that jazz. But but yeah, the the meat of it is the uh, the interview with you know top three gunners, people in the sport that you've all known known and and heard of for years. So. Yeah, exactly, and they've they've usually got some uh, some really interesting topics that uh, that they talk about. But I mean, the, the, today it's all going to be about you. So, like, how, how did you get into three gun? Oh, I don't actually shoot three gun. You're more into archery, did... right? Archery, yeah, armed exactly. hiking, that kind of thing. Exactly. Rimfire. I don't, I don't really like guns much, but uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, three gun for me started out as. Um, um, when I got back into guns, I was an adult, like in my late twenties and, uh, you know, you, you've got guns and you're planking on the range and you're like, well, what can I do with these? And so at the, uh, the place that I used to work at, they actually had a range on site. So I found out they had a pistol league. And so I called up the, uh, the head of the pistol league and I'm like, Hey, I'd like to come out. And the guy was a real jerk. So I never did. And then, <laughs> and then I found out that they had a, uh, a three gun match. Uh, and I had a shotgun, I had a pistol, but I didn't have a rifle. So after uh, you know, building an AR-15 as you know inexpensive as possible, I went out with like my my you know defense carbine. Went out with my Glock 17 and Mossberg 500, and that was like 2011. And I uh, went out with a couple buddies, and we kind of used it as like practical training for defensive purposes. And I was absolutely hooked, and I turned into like a complete gamer. And now they're my two buddies. Went back again. A complete gamer imagine yeah. that absolutely i applaud i, I gained so hard that i actually started a podcast so i could learn about three gun from the best in the business so that was kind of the intent when me and a couple of guys started action shoot radio i wanted to talk more about action shooting and this show is a general show so i wanted a show dedicated just to action shooting and that was the whole idea eventually the show would grow and we'd be talking to some of the pros and um, I got one of the best in Canada. It was a master or a grandmaster. He was one of the hosts. So uh, the podcast was just me in disguise picking his brain every week so I could get better at Ipsic. That sounds very familiar. That's yeah. exactly what I do. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, what uh, you you mentioned the the equipment you started with. Uh, how did that? Uh, how did your equipment evolve to to kind of what you have now? Oh my goodness. Well. Um, immediately once you realize you know that you want to make this like a game and you want to shoot it for the game rather than just keeping your you know your self-defense or your home protection skills sharp you start looking at what else is out there and you know the very first thing is like well you know this rifle it's only shooting 556 223 whatever you want to call it but it's uh you know it actually recoils uh quite a bit when you're talking about the uh the targets being close and getting those fast um, uh, follow-up shots, right? And it's, you know, obviously it's nothing compared to like a, um, you know, a 308 or something like that, but we're talking like in the context of the game. So, you know, I started messing with a, a couple things there. I put a compensator on the rifle, um, put a nice trigger on for those long-range shots, and then uh, and then I bought a semi-automatic shotgun because the, the pump shotgun that only holds six rounds just does not cut it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much didn't touch my Glock 17 other than sights. Um, oh, I take that back. I did like some extended base pads for, you know, some, some extra capacity because we 
go by like USPSA limited type lengths of magazines. So, um, so you obviously want to have 23 instead of 17, but then that's, that's where I stayed for, for a long time. Uh, only two years ago. So I had been shooting, let's see, when did I say I started shooting? Uh, 2011, so 2014, so five years I shot with my Glock 17, and then I bought a Glock 34. Um, and then just this year, after you know six years of shooting, I decided, you know, I'm finally building my my three gun AR-15. So that is a complete race gun. It's impractical for almost everything else, but uh, but it's a uh, it's a tack driver, and it it's really good for for shooting long distances too. Well, what makes a what makes a three gun AR versus just like a regular service grade AR kind of a thing? Oh man, so much. So um, all all of your accuracy in the uh, in the rifle is in the barrel. So you want to start the whole rifle by selecting a really good barrel. So I chose a Seekins Precision eighteen inch rifle length gas. The uh, the eighteen inch because it was the shortest one I could get with a still a rifle length gas. Uh, the rifle length gas system shortens that, or excuse me, uh, reduces the recoil impulse, you know, makes it a little bit softer to shoot. Um, from there, just attached it to like a mil spec arrow precision upper, threw in a JP rifles, uh, bolt carrier group, and I'm testing another one out from iron city right now. Uh, and then let's see, low mass, uh, buffer system spring, and then, uh, just a really good trigger. And that's sounds that, remarkably similar to my rifle. I went the same thing. I took off the, I had an STI AR and I took off the 16 and a half inch barrel and I went with an 18 and a half inch barrel. And a lot of the people that I shoot with were like, why do you need a barrel that long? So, well, if I ever, I want to stretch it out, I'll be accurate at distance. Well, all of our targets are close. Yeah. Okay. So you're only accurate close. My long barrel allows me to be accurate close and at distance. So right. I'm not following your logic here. And, you know, I haven't found it being, like, a hindrance to have that extra no. two inches on there. No. It's not that big of a deal. But, no. you know, with uh, with those long rifle shots, now you're confident that you're going to be hitting that with match-grade ammo. And I've even found, like, huge improvements in just the the normal blaster ammo that I shoot, um, like, 200 yards in. Mm-hmm. Even that has gotten more accurate with a really good barrel. Mm. And then I went and stuck a Benny Hill comp on it. Actually, that's not true. There was a Benny Hill comp on the barrel when I got it. I've got the, a Stag 3G barrel oh, okay. that I put on the front of my uh, STI. So it's yeah. not it's not a match-grade barrel, but I think it's a better barrel than the STI barrel. Yeah, for sure. So the, the Stag 3G is like the um, – I mean, that was like the very first mass-market three-gun three rifle. Three-gun rifle, yeah. And you could always buy like a, a JP Enterprises rifle or some of the other uh, suite manufacturers – but the uh, that was like the first you know large volume manufacturer that put out a three gun rifle and they sold a ton of them. It reminds me of like back in the day when you used to have your open gun built from off a Caspian frame and a Caspian slide and a gunsmith would put it together for you and then all of a sudden STI and Vesti and SVI Infinity started actually making um, commercially available open guns. Kind of the same thing. Stag mm-hmm. was like, let's build a rifle for these three gun guys who. You know, don't have the big budgets or don't have the access access to the gunsmiths to get these things built. Exactly, and and for people that don't know exactly what they're looking for in a rifle, too, they can just go buy the three gun model, right? 
Yeah, makes it very approachable when when you've got a, a manufacturer out there that builds exactly what you need, and uh, and all you need to do is buy it. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that being said, if you just want to get in, your rack grade rifle will keep you going until you decide that this is where you want to go and start dumping more money into your guns. That's true. And if you're if you're going to go that route, you know you can shoot for a long time. Like I said, I shot for I think six years in that way the one thing you're going to want to do is free float the barrel and get a good trigger. And then right there, you're going to be good to go for 90% of the shooting out there. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're ready to make that next step, then you just go buy an Armalite three-gun rifle, which is the best uh, value for the money right now in three-gun rifles, and then call it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you didn't mention uh, what kind of foreign did you end up going with? I'm sorry, can you say that again? What kind of foreign did you go with? Oh, um, I went with a Midwest Industries. I uh, went with their key mod. Um, the reason I chose that, it had uh, like some QD um, attachments for a sling. And the uh, uh, some of the matches are you're required to sling a rifle. So very few, but it does come up every now and then. It's nice to have that in there instead of just doing the big goofy attachments. Yeah, I like the QD as well for uh, just for like limited use three gun kind of stuff. QD is really yeah. nice. It's nice and tight. It uh, stays out of the way otherwise, and it doesn't like rattle around like uh, like a mash hook or or something like that would. Yeah, for sure. And I, I went as long as possible. They they make a 15 inch, and so that's what I put on there. And a couple times I wished it was longer, but not very often. Awesome. Uh, what about uh, what about your shotgun? So you you mentioned that you upgraded to a semi-auto. Uh, did you go with like the Benelli M2 or the Versamax or? Well, so um, all my friends shot uh, FN SLPs, and mm-hmm. so you know a few times I had borrowed one of theirs for a stage, and those things were were amazing as far as uh, just tack drivers for slugs, right? And at the time we were doing the um, I don't know what the hell they call it uh, the weak hand load where you basically pull four shells in one hand and they're stacked side by side by side and then you just kind of shuffle them in with your thumb yeah like i'm still doing yeah the old school method is yeah (laughs) the slow school method the slow school (laughs) method yes so that's what we were doing right so we didn't have like the uh you know the load twos and the quads that was just coming out there and it wasn't appreciably fast enough fast enough to actually the quad load did not exist but the dual load was not appreciably fast enough to make a difference so Mm -hmm. I was saving up for uh, an FN SLP. Their competition model has a nice, beautiful blue receiver and stuff like that. And then uh, right when I'm you know, ready to buy, don't have any sort of dealers in town that have it. I keep finding the normal ones, but it has a shorter barrel, and I wanted the longer shotgun barrel. Um, Mossberg comes out with their JM930, right? Mm. And it's the, uh, the Jerry Mitchell-like model, and it has... An eight-round tube already, which at the time was the uh, the max that you would find. So, 22-inch barrel, barrel clamp, uh, chrome trigger group to make it a little bit smoother, all kinds of other stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly everything I would want, and it's less than half the price. So, <laughs> so uh, I bought one of the very first uh, Jerry Mitchell-like model shotguns that came out, and I ended up with like a 22-inch barrel, but I believe they make a 24-inch as well. Mm-hmm. How's the reliability on it? You know, um, I have been very, very fortunate. I am one of the lucky ones where I haven't had a lot of problems. Um, I had like a bunch of failure to ejects that I traced down to the Winchester bulk ammunition that you can get from Walmart here in the U.S. Uh, and I just, you know, started buying the Federal and I was fine. Um, and then last year, was it last year? 
I believe it was last year, I had malfunction after malfunction after malfunction, and I was like fed up and cursing Mossberg and everything. And then I was like, you know what? Finally, I'm going to watch this 30-minute video that Jerry Mitchell did on how to clean the shotgun. It's like it doesn't sh- it shouldn't be 30 minutes to clean a shotgun, but I realize now that like half that time is him, you know, talking about the shotgun and all the features and benefits and everything. But one of the things I learned was that piston needs to be disassembled to, cl- to be cleaned. It sounds basic to everyone, but I had no clue because I never owned a semi-auto shotgun. So once, <laughs> once I saw Jerry take it apart, I did the exact same thing to mine, clean it up, and I haven't had any malfunction since. So uh, I'm sorry, Mossberg. Sorry for all the <laughs> bad things I said about you. But I've, I've been pretty lucky on that as far as reliability. That said, I did make a, uh, um, a switch to a, a Stoger M3000 recently. Awesome. Well, I've got, I run a Stoger uh, M3500, which, so I, I would have the, uh, what was there? I think they have the M3K. Is that their uh, competition yes. version? Yes. I would have one of those, but here in Canada, uh, the amount of shotgun shells you can have in your tube, like the chamber length matters. So a three and a half inch shotgun, you can run seven in the tube. It's it's weird. So you can run f- like at most five of the uh, of the shell that it's designed for. The thirty five hundred right. is do- designed for three and a half shells. So I can set it so that it will fit no more than five. Which really, I'm setting it for like five point eight, five point nine uh, of the three and a half inch shells, and that'll get me seven of the two and three quarter. Huh. And then one in the chamber, and then one ghost load, and boom, I'm at nine. Right. But right. uh, here in Canada, oh, right. you know, you're, if you run a, a three-inch gun instead of a three-and-a-half, you're limited to one less in the tube. Nice. So, you know, I was actually looking at the 3500 because I was, you know, thinking that that bigger loading port and, and, and everything would be advantageous for quads. How do you find you like it? What do you think? I love it so much. <laughs> for Thanks. loading? Oh, yeah. It's such a huge target. And the... Um, the loading gate on it is so low resistance that I, I can quad load and that thing is slick as snot uh, just oh, taking great. those shells. No problem. My buddy's got a, a Beretta 1301 competition and that that mm. is really nice, but it's got a little bit more resistance and it's not nearly as fast to load as the Stoger 3500 yeah. The only uh, disadvantage to the Stoger here in Canada is that there are no 24 or 26 inch barrels to be found. There are only 28s. So I've got a 28 inch. I sent it away to get uh, cut and retapped and uh, like re- reset for chokes. And they said it was too thin to, to put the, put the uh, chokes back in. So I guess I'm going to wait until Stoger Canada brings in some 24s because I. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Who did you send it to? The Calgary Shooting Center. Oh. Um, send an email over to. Um Casey at Tactical Ordnance because he was cutting down Versamax barrels and he can rethread them, but he doesn't use a rem choke or the existing choke system that's in the Versamax. Is he going he to, to he, Well, he had to go to some other choke and like, apparently it's not the most readily available choke, so some people were passing on the job, but he was able to get it done. So he may do the same thing on the 3500 barrel. It's, I mean, well, you know, it's an email, it's worth looking into. Yeah. That's probably the the thin wall. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I've, I I really like the Stoger for for all of that. I mean, it's clean. It doesn't uh, it doesn't get gunked up like the uh, piston driven uh, uh, shotguns do as much. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, Looking but, forward to that. 
I mean, one of the disadvantages is if, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm like 220, and if I, if I ride the shotgun a little bit too hard and don't let it recoil, uh, I, I can force it to jam. And if I'm, if I'm like driving it like way too hard and I'm way too like uh, hard on it in a in a match, I can, I can get it to malfunction. So I just have to remember to not get up on top of it too much. Right. Be a little ginger with it. I, I imagine if I cut four inches a barrel off of it, that would help too, because it would help cut down on the weight of it and it help help it recoil more. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. That's it. That's interesting. So why do you think they don't have any 24 or 26 inch barrels? Do you think that's it's, like a, it's Canada. I think it's because right now it's being marketed as like a duck and, and goose gun. So oh, okay. a three and a half inch chamber, you can, you can put some, you know, uh, big heavy shells in there. Uh, but people aren't using it. Like three gun is, is practically non-existent in Canada. My, my club's one of the ones in the, in the area that does it. And, uh, we're like at, at best, we've got like 35 guys that came out kind of a thing. So it's not a, it's not incredibly popular out here just yet. It's getting there. Uh, so I have a, a friend, um, from back home in, uh, in Colorado. I actually met him when he uh, was in Wyoming, but he had just moved from Canada and, uh, having known that, I did a practice interview with him, you know, before I started the, uh, the three gun show thing here in interviewing, you know, professional shooters, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get a couple friends and just kind of talk to them and, and, uh, get some reps in. So I picked his brain about three gun in Canada and it was just like an hour of me going, Whoa, no way. Like why, why that doesn't make any sense. You know? And <laughs> so. I mean, it depends, depends where you are. We run three gun at my club using USPSA rules. And mm-hmm. the only difference um, between us and south of the border is mag capacity. Right. And we figured out a way to run 15 rounds in our rifles um, and nine rounds in our shotguns. And 17 in your pistols. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figured that out, too. Yep. So it's all like, Dave, it's, it's like letter of the law is uh, uh, five rounds in a rifle, in a rifle F- magazine. Five round in any yeah. semi-automatic long gun. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, so, um, so how, tell me about the 15 then Beowulf makes. Yeah. Oh, it's made for five Beowulf, Beowulf for big. And they just so happen to also feed uh two, two, three. Interesting. So the, the letters then says your magazine must fit five rounds. Not you must put five rounds in your magazine. The mag- the okay. law says that, and it actually says this in an RCMP bulletin on magazine capacity for businesses when it comes to capacity, it's not what you can fit in the mag of a different caliber. It's how many will fit in the mag for the caliber it was designed for. Oh, no way. That's where they concern <laughs> themselves. So, for example, I bought FNS 40 mags that mm-hmm. fit in my FNS 9. And the way they design those magazines is that the rounds are stopped by the nipples in the mag, not the follower. So the 40 mags go down, or the 40 rounds in the 40 mag slide down the mag body, and they'll hit the, the dimples, and they'll stop. But if you fill that magazine up with 9mm rounds, they slide right past those dimples along with the follower and go all the way to 17. Oh, no way. Yeah, and as long as I don't modify the mag and, and mess with it in any way, shape, or form, it's, it's designed for 40. It's stamped 40 and 357 SIG. Perfectly legal. Yeah, well, I mean, no. most other people for pistols are running uh, like straight up ten rounders. Maybe they've got like the Beretta ninety six mags in their in their Beretta, so they're they're squeezing out an extra two or something like that. But most people are running ten rounders, so it's it's very common, uh, especially in three gun here, to see people with 
a whole bunch of pistol mags yeah. and a whole bunch of <laughs> rifle mags as well. So they're, we're, we don't run with like the, the typical loadout in the States where you have like maybe two mag holders for, uh, for your AR. Some people I do. have like four. See, also, Dave, I'm the match director for all of our three-gun matches going on five years now. So when I, 13 rounds? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> when I design the stages, I design them around the capacities of the guns that I run. So you want to talk about a gamer? I'm out there with a nine-round semi-automatic shotgun. Most guys are still on a pump. And um, some of the guys have tricked out their pumps because there's no capacity limit on a pump or a lever action or a bolt action in Canada. So Sorry, lever action, in case Doc Wesson's listening. <laughs> and um, so there's still some guys with pumps, right? So they'll put a tube on there to get like 10 or 12 rounds in their, in their pump after they start. But um, yeah, so when it comes to gaming, yeah. Uh, we've, we're, you know, I, I show up with Beowulf mags, 17 round pistol mags. Um, I get some, I get some, uh, I get some, some comments and they're not always nice. <laughs> I was going to say, no wonder you only have 35 shooters. No one wants to play with you if you're going to cheat the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, the only, the only law or the only rule when it comes to capacity in one of our club's three gun matches is follow the Canadian law. Oh. Well, there you go. As long as you're following Canadian law, it's run what you brung as far as capacity is concerned. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't smart enough to buy Beowulf mags, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) It's like in our target archery, I shoot the largest commercially available arrow on the market so that I can cut those lines if I'm close to the 10. And I get guys out there with crappy little arrows calling me a cheater. You just, no, it doesn't work like that. I've got a turbo. Advantage, right? Yeah, exactly. I got a turbo in my car. I'm not supposed to use it because you don't. Go away. (laughs) All right, then. Don't shoot with Trevor. That's what I learned today. (laughs) Well, I mean, I run all the same thing. I got a nine round shotgun and uh, 17 rounds in my pistol. And uh, I don't know. My rifle's like pretty much everything else out there. I have been thinking of upgrading the barrel, though. I've just got a. Uh, Spike 16-inch, I think, barrel in there right now. And the accuracy is so-so, I would say. I, I think I could do better. Right now, our range doesn't doesn't have any long bomb stuff, but once we get approval on it, we'll have uh, out to 800 yards. So oh, I'll yeah. have to get my barrel uh, straightened away for, uh, for that. Yeah, you will definitely want something different then. Yeah, wh- what kind of distances are you typically shooting uh, at your matches down there for your rifle? Uh, uh, let's see, so... It depends on the match, of course. I was just at uh, a match called Generation 3-Gun last weekend, which was amazing. And uh, their farthest target was 375. Wow. And then, uh, they had two at, no, one at 330, one at 300, and then two at 250, and then a bunch in from there. And that was their all-rifle stage. And then uh, they had another 3-Gun stage that the longest shot, and these were done from spools, was... Um, I want to say 310 or 318, something like that. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you go to like a, a match like Rocky Mountain 3-Gun, and you're going to be shooting 575, 580, something like that. So, Yeah, it was on, I, th- I think it was on your, your latest show. You, were, you had a guest on, and he was talking about uh, running 55-grain ammo for close stuff, and then he had 77-grain uh, bullets for, for like really long bombs. Yeah, that's very common for um, from what I found. In, uh, in talking to people in matches and talking to, to my guests on the podcast is to run like I was I call I referred to it earlier as blaster ammo 200 and in and it's basically you know the cheapest stuff you can buy whether you know you're buying 
Federal American Eagle or some remand stuff from, you know, a reliable source or PMC or something like that, that's what you're going to use from like 200 yards and in. It's generally 55 grain. Mm -hmm. And just because it's less expensive and you don't need, you know, high zoot stuff to shoot paper targets at 13 yards, right? So once you get out past 200 yards and that number is different for everyone, right? When, so when I first started switching ammo, it was, you know, 150 yards, but now I'm confident that, you know, the, the ammunition that I'm shooting, the blaster ammunition is going to hit at 200. So once I get past 200, I'll switch to a different ammunition. A lot of people like to go with the, uh, the heavier stuff. I, um, I was shooting some 77 grain gorilla ammunition that I really, really liked. Um, but I found that it, uh, dropped off quite a bit because it's such a heavy, a heavy round comparatively. So I wanted to go with something faster based on an article I read by, uh, John Paul of JP rifles, um, basically saying that, you know, your obviously your, your drop at distance is going to be a lot less with a faster cartridge, faster, uh, round. So I was looking into like some 69 grain and I couldn't find any in time. I was at Cabela's found some, uh, Hornady 55 grain V max that is actually doing about 3240 according to their box. And when I punched that into the Streelock app on my phone, which is a ballistics app, <laughs> I just, I was like, well, that hold can't be right. But then, you know, the very first match I shot, it was a Montana multi-gun and we had a 378 yard bonus target and uh, I hit it on the second shot and it was exactly on the hold, exactly where it said it would be. So I've been just shooting 55 grain VMAX ever since, but I have found that if you're, if you're at like a distance, like 330, 330, 375, something like that, it, it hardly moves the target. So that's when the 77 grain or the 69 grain uh, bullets really comes in handy. So I might end up, you know, finding somewhere in between like a 69 or 62 grain that's, you know, moving pretty fast as well. So, but that's just kind of something I've been experimenting with lately. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I run that PMC 55 grain blaster stuff for, for everything right now because we're not running long distance. But as soon as we do, I'm going to have to get my, uh, get my trimmer and get my, my die set up all running again on 223. I've been saving all my brass, so I've got a pile of it. And uh, <laughs> I'll just have to, yeah, go with a better bullet and, and something that's just, uh, you know, reloaded is going to be ac more accurate than just PMC yeah. bulk stuff, right? Right. And, and that's so key. And that makes the game so much more enjoyable. <laughs> and, you know, like you were talking earlier, you see, you know, guys uh, in the U.S. here going out to the range with, you know, one magazine in the gun and one on your belt. Like, and you hardly ever use that second one on your belt when you've got good ammunition. You know, and and huge <laughs> magazines. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that too, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about like going one for one on targets instead of spending ten rounds to to miss and miss and miss. So it it becomes huge, and and the uh, the economies work out as well when you're spending. You know, for me, I don't reload, so when you're spending like a dollar a round on very good ammunition, you know, you want to be uh, you want to be smart about where you shoot it, but then. If you're shooting thirty cent around PMC, but you're wasting ten rounds, that's three bucks, and you know <laughs> you just did yourself a disadvantage there. So yeah, uh, it's it makes a huge difference to have uh, quality ammunition for for rifle for sure. Yeah, exactly. What are you running for? Um, what kind of uh, shotgun setup are you doing? Like, what, oh, are, you, so, what are you running for ca uh, carriers and that kind of thing? Oh, for ca carriers. Okay, so well, um, let me finish my shot on my uh, Stoger real quick. Um, I ended up sending a. Um, a Stoger out to Mark Roth at RCI X-Rail. So it came back with a, you know, 12 round magazine tube, 24 inch barrel and 
and some really nice laser etching on it that is actually pretty cool. So I've been uh, transitioning to that. So that's kind of what I'm doing over the next few weeks here. So uh, caddies. So as far as caddies, um, I worked a match where uh, Carbon Arms was, was uh, one of the major sponsors. And so I picked up a bunch of caddies in uh, uh, compensation for that from Carbon Arms. Um, and then I've been messing around with some, uh, some TACOM caddies as well. And, uh, but I gotta say, um, the new Safari land quad load caddies look absolutely incredible. They actually hold the shell by the, uh, the rim. So I think that's going to be a, a huge game changer for, for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, those are, those are looking really cool. I've looked at the TACOM as well. It's just, I ended up getting some, uh, oh, what were those Invictus, uh, practical, uh, uh, eight packs and I've got, I've just got three of those. So I don't think I need anything else. Yeah, no kidding. Most people I know, um, that I shoot with back home in Colorado run those, uh, uh, Invictus and absolutely love them. And I really like how like hardcore they are with the, uh, the steel frames and everything. So Mm -hmm. yeah, those look like a good option. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you look your your belt or your chest or belt? I I run everything on my belt. If I had, I, I wouldn't mind doing a chest rig for shotgun, but, uh, I've actually got, uh, I've got two belt setups. I've got one that's just shotgun, uh, because we have, uh, just a, a shotgun, uh, stage, I guess, at my three gun typically. So I've got one belt set up just for shotgun and one for shotgun rifle pistol. Cool. And the inner yeah, belt I, stays on, outer belt just kind of swaps in and out kind of a thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I usually stick with uh, belt if I can. If I'm going prone, though, I, I'll go with, uh, you know, going prone like on rifle before we shoot shotgun. Mm-hmm. I'll do a chest rig, but then move it to the back. So then as I'm swapping guns, I'll just slide it to the front and then now I can load my shotgun. Sweet. Uh, I don't want to take up all the time here. <laughs> Kelly or uh, Trevor, do you guys have any questions? I got a couple. I was wondering, uh, Adriel is saying that he only has about 35 participants at his matches. How many on average when you go to a match are you seeing? Uh, well, okay, so the local matches that I shot back home, depending on which match, it would be anywhere from like 55 to like 80. Okay. I've heard of some local matches getting... Um, well into like the hundreds, so 110, 120, 130 participants, which is incredible for a local match. Okay. How um, many of the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, major matches can vary, but you're looking at like 200 to 300 competitors at, wow. at a major match. Okay. Wow. So, Dave, when you see 150 people showing up to a local match, it must freak out the match director. Like, how many squads do they do then? Oh, I'll be honest. I, I haven't been to a match of, of that size. Okay. I would imagine they're shooting like all freaking day, right? And yeah. they've, they've probably got like six stages and, and having to, to separate them in that in that manner. But yeah, most of the matches that I've gone, I'd say the max that, that I've seen personally would probably be about 70. Okay. okay. What about the percentage of ladies that are participating now in the sport? You see more ladies all the time, but they're very few and far between. You know, it's it's uh, and it's not for lack of skill either. It's, you know, probably a, an interest sort of thing. I regularly get my butt whooped by uh, the uh, the ladies in the sport. So, um, but you know, there's there's new people all the time. And when so, I just mentioned I went to that Generation Three Gun last weekend, um, in uh, in Missouri, and so it's called Generation Three Gun based on the people that started it had three generation of three gunners, right? So. It is a nonprofit match. Like every dollar that the match raises goes to pay for scholarships for juniors to go shoot other matches. And all juniors shoot those matches for free. So when you're looking at like all the juniors standing in one spot, it's about 50-50 ladies and, and, uh, and boys. 
but um, but the previous generations, it's the men far outweigh the women. So women are getting it there. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm fairly new, so for someone who's fairly new to this, uh, like me, uh, what would you recommend for equipment for just somebody oh. who's basically starting out? Okay, for someone who's starting out is uh, what what I always say is go shoot your first match, borrow equipment, and then decide what you want to do, right? So like I mentioned earlier, uh, me and a couple of buddies went out to shoot our defensive equipment, and that was our goal, right? So the stuff that we had was good when you're loading shotgun shells from your pocket and stuff like that. And we actually didn't want to borrow any equipment because we just wanted to go with what we had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then... Once I decided that I wanted to shoot it for competition-wise, then you start making different decisions, right? Now you're talking about like a compensator on your rifle where you wouldn't usually use that for home defense. So what I would say for a newbie is look around, see what you have. If you have a pistol, bring that pistol. If you have, you know, obviously it has to have a serviceable holster and a couple magazines uh, or maybe a dozen magazines if you're in Canada. I don't know. Canada. (laughs) You're not far off. (laughs) So a dozen magazines and a pistol and a serviceable holster. Um, uh, And if you've got a shotgun, bring that shotgun. It doesn't really matter what kind. I've seen guys shoot with, you know, 28-inch bird guns that they've, you know, killed a bunch of pheasants with and everything. Mm -hmm. And then uh, whatever rifle you have. Uh, That would be your first match. And then you can make decisions from there. Always talk to people. uh, Find the people that are, you know, super friendly and borrow equipment and and i'm i'm not sure how it is where you guys shoot but you know where i shoot all over the u.s this uh this year everyone is so super friendly if you're missing a caddy or you know you break something someone is always there to to give you what they have there's guys that'll give you you know full magazines full of ammunition to shoot a stage and stuff like that i've actually seen um you know guys bring out backup rifles and and hand them off and stuff so start there and then, uh, and then decide what you want to do. If you just want to shoot it like on a you know week, weekly basis, get one of the inexpensive but good rifles, like the Armalite three gun rifle is a good one. I keep mentioning that because not because I'm sponsored by them, because it is actually a really good rifle, and uh, it's very inexpensive too, especially here in the U.S. Uh, you know, get a get a good uh, semi-automatic shotgun that you can that you can handle yourself. Recoil is you know different between men and women, so make sure that you try a couple out. And then uh, whatever double stack nine millimeter pistol you want to go with. Perfect. Okay, Trevor, what about you? I think that's about it. Um, no, I can't think of anything to uh, to ask. Dave, you did a good job. Oh, I'm glad there was no math in this. <laughs> Sweat it. <laughs> All right. So if this course of fire has 28 rounds of shotgun, oh, oh how dare you! <laughs> I tell you what, when uh, when we go up to a stage and there's something other than birdshot on a stage i start to panic a little bit because i know somewhere i'm gonna have to mix my load with shotgun uh with a birdshot slugs or birdshot and buck like we did last week and uh, i'll be honest it's it's uh you know counting up and counting down is not something that is like natural to me some people just go oh you just do it this way and for me i'm like oh crap where am i gonna load and now how many do i have in the tube and stuff like that so yeah unless you practice it it's not too intuitive as a match oh. director, I don't want to set up that kind of a stage because I know somebody is going to hit one of my mild steel poppers with a slug and yeah. damage it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just not going to open up the door for that opportunity. Well, the way you do that is you always shoot slugs last, right? Yeah. So 
then uh, then you get the opportunity to uh, throw a bird shot at a slug target, which doesn't end up hurting anybody. So exactly. Oops. Yep. Oh, <laughs> drop the mic. No, that was a 1911. Oh. <laughs> it was only a 1911. Leave it. No. Leave it on the floor. It's, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> now you got to rebuild it. <laughs> I just finished rebuilding it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, Dave, where can where can people find you online? And uh, now's now's your chance to plug your stuff. Okay. Well, first, I just want to say that the uh, the Three Gun Show is a weekly interview show, and I always have great guests on, and it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I just kind of think I got a little peek into why, because you you kind of get into like a a little bit of a flow when you're the guest, and just being really uh, you want to give all the value and everything you know. So I've had. You know, guys like Jerry Mitchellek and Keith Garcia and Taryn Butler on the podcast, and they've just explained like absolutely everything they know about the game. The uh, the tips and stuff that they come up with are way better than what I can come up with. So that's why I always have a guest. It's every week, and it's at threegunshow.com. You can find it in iTunes, Stitcher, and stuff like that. Uh, if you're on Instagram and Facebook, it's just at threegunshow. And uh, if you want to email me or anything, dave at threegunshow.com. So there it is. Awesome. Well, uh, I just wanted to, from, from Slamfire Radio, thank you again for coming on today and giving off giving away all your tips for, uh, for Three Gun Out to our listeners. And uh, I hope that uh, a lot of our listeners go and subscribe to your podcast, too. Awesome. It was very fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Just wanted to say thank you again to Dave Hartman for coming on and talking all about Three Gun. Yeah. So, yeah, listener feedback, guys. Who wants to start us off? Trevor? All right. So we've got a two-parter from Craig. This is part one. I love your podcast and really appreciate all the information you guys give us listeners. Or sorry. I have to give you some quick background uh, first about myself. I have a 12-year-old who want, who was who was wanted to hunt, who has, man alive. I have a 12-year-old who has wanted to hunt for a few years. So in June, my three boys and I took our hunter safety course from an amazing local guy who is a gun collector. He convinced me to get my RPAL as well. Seeing as before June, I had never even considered buying a gun, being a gun owner, I searched the internet and found your podcast. I powered through all the episodes. My wow. brain my brain mostly melted, and now I own a Glock. <laughs> that's not what it says. That's, that's no. improv. I powered through all the episodes, you have done, and you guys sound great to me at one and a half speeds. Even <laughs> even Owen's extra 20 minutes of comfrey usage. I have loved Trevor's handgun reviews, and I recently uh, received my first two guns, an FN, FNS 9L, and a Walther PPQ, the use, hmm, a Walther PPQ M2B. I think I bought it just to have, oh, yeah, I think I bought it just to have it before him. Yeah, thanks. Uh, now you send me a review then. What nine miller what nine millimeter ammo do you think would be a good choice off the shelf for these? Winchester white box. I mean, just just get cheap stuff, and those are both good guns that'll shoot. You know, any kind of uh, affordable factory ammo. Well, you're you know, if you're just you're just planking. I mean, just put anything through them. Doesn't matter. Barnells, S and B, Winchester white box. Blazer. You don't need to buy, yeah, yeah, blazer, blazer aluminum or blazer brass. Um, I'm having some issues finding any handgun classes or coaches here in, in Saskatoon. Do you, do you have any YouTube videos you would recommend for a new shooter to start with? 
Last question. Both of my beautiful new guns have pretty plain sights. What do you think of tritium versus fiber optic sights? And does changing them affect the Ipsit class or anything in three gun or the other shooting competitions? Thank you, guys. Um, okay, so we answered the ammo question. The next question was having issues finding handgun classes or coaches. Check with your local gun club and see if there's any training going on there. Sign up for an Ipsit class. See if there's an Ipsit instructor if you don't want to take a black badge right away. See if there's an Ipsic instructor who can give you some pointers on stance, grip, sight alignment, etc. Um, who check knows? Out, check out uh, CGN too, because there's a lot of that kind of stuff on CGN, and and they they do post up on there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay. If you can if you can name an alternative <laughs> on a place where you can go that's centralized, I'm all ears. Yeah, there's just so much crap on CGN and so many keyboard commandos who can't shoot but like like to offer advice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's like the Archery Talk website, guys who can't shoot 300s that are trying to coach. Um, do you have any YouTube videos you would recommend? Mm, I don't know. Like, I, I went through a bunch of them when I, when I uh, wanted to go from making noise to, like, shooting for real and <laughs> putting, putting yeah. lead on like, target. Just be careful who you're watching. Is it some guy with a video camera and a gun, or is it a renowned instructor? Jerry Mitchell has Jerry a Mitchell, lot of great videos. Yeah. Yeah. So check out some of Jerry's stuff. Last question: Both my beautiful guns have pretty plain sights. Yep, the FN comes with plain sights, and um, Dave Savigny and Warren Tactical go to the Dave's either either Google Savigny sights or Warren Tactical sights. And you can order sights from them for your FN. I put a set on my FN. Lorette put a set on his FN. I put a set on Chris Kingston's FN. So there are dovetail sights that you tap out and tap back in. You'll have to fit the front one probably. The back one I think went in pretty good and has a an, a, a, um, a screw to lock it down in place, a set screw if you will. Um, so tritium, I would go tritium on the um, Walther because it's more of a carry gun, and I would go fiber optic on the FN because it's more of a competition gun, five-inch uh, slide, for example. When it comes to IPSC, you can um, put whatever sights you want on the gun, providing they don't take like excessive gun smithing. Sights are one of the things you're allowed to change that can be produced by a uh, aftermarket manufacturer. Your sights can be changed and don't have to be original manufacturer equipment so you're good to go there and now uh, you won't have to worry about changing divisions or anything in, in ipsic or three gun all okay. right part two part two this one's to mcclatchy mcclatchy my boys had a second christmas when i brought home a marlin 795 and a box of winchester 555 ammo i expect i have the only 12 year old in the country looking forward to receiving our order of slipstream thanks so much craig <laughs> that's awesome cool good choice on the 22 and amazing choices on the pistols you got the one uh striker fired gun i didn't get rid of and got the other striker fired gun i can't wait to get my hands on awesome the walther all right. All, right. This, All uh, right. this next one here is from James Bork, and this is in reference to the ATC article that uh, that he submitted. He's saying, question, old article, but wonder. Frosty, get on this. See if you can get a permit. Those ground squirrels are vicious. Sharp, pointy teeth. Well, you have some homework to do. <laughs> that's, that's true. How much does it cost to apply for the ATC? Wasn't it like 100 bucks? I Yeah, I don't know. It may be, diff- uh, may be different from CFO to CFO, but you know what? I forgot to take a cheap shot at um, James and Don. 
James and Dawn left the match early on Sunday. Ask no. me why. Why? Uh, it might rain. <laughs> well, yep, they did that. I mean, Dawn was straight up. He's like, yeah, we are pansies. And James just gave me a hug and left. <laughs> <laughs> might rain. See you later. Or maybe they were waiting too long. I don't know. Well, I'm going with the rain uh, excuse. If if it's less than a hundred bucks, maybe I will apply for an ATC uh, to defend myself against those vicious ground squirrels. That'd be funny. There you go. That's a good plan. So this one's from Sean. Uh, how how ironic that I was listening to your latest show on my drive to some public land for my first duck hunt. I have um, bought a license for the last three years now, but this is my first serious attempt at duck hunting. I got up at 4.45 a.m. and headed out shortly after. Legal light here is 6 o'clock, and I have a bit of a drive to get there. I don't have camo, decoys, blinds, or basically anything. I have a new Ithaca 37 pump gun, and I shoot pretty decent. After I can't read tonight. Do you guys want to read this? <laughs> that is all. Since I don't have any camo, I sat under a small willow bush between two ponds. I sat in the grass for an hour before a duck flew by within range. I took one shot, but the willow branches messed with my swing, and I missed it. Shortly after, another duck came in head-on, but as I raised my gun up, it must have realized, hey, there's a dude hiding in the bush, and took off to the side out of range. About 15 minutes later, another group of two ducks came straight in. This time, when I raised the gun, they kept on coming. I swung at the first duck and pulled the trigger. It folded and fell to the ground about 20 yards out. I only shot uh, the one and then packed up. I don't hunt something unless I'm going to eat it, and I've never tried wild duck before. I wanted to see what they taste like before I continued with my waterfall operations. I took it home, cleaned it, and the breasts sliced thin, and the legs fried in light oil with sea salt. Uh, with, sorry, with uh, sea salt. Tastes like candy. Unfortunately, I only got to eat three pieces as my eight-year-old son, son uh, vacuumed the rest up. If Matthew is contemplating duck hunting, I would say go for it. They are very tasty. I know this is getting long-winded, but I was the one with the Facebook question about the Norinco 213 pistol. I finally got it out to the range and fired 100 rounds of 9mm through it. I like it. Uh, very accurate, small, and thin. It was very dirty from the previous owner. The, the mags wouldn't drop free, they were so gummed up. So I had two malfunctions that may be related to that. Also, my meat hook hands tend to get smacked with the hammer if I try to grip it too high. Not the most ergonomic thing, but for $200 shipped, it is a fun toy to play with. Love the show more and more with each episode. Not much of a pistol shooter, but enjoy the competition talk nevertheless. More episodes on hunting would be awesome, seeing how you got that hunting gear guy fellow on there now. Since you haven't got any, add five duck bills to the tally. Why not, right? Cheers, Sean from Saskatchewan. And sorry, Sean, for screwing up your email. <laughs> written, we all have to do it. Written well, read poorly. <laughs> and yes. she still did better than I would have. Uh, but, it, but it's late and we're tired. Uh, and Kelly's yeah. drunk. So <laughs> five duck bills. No. Five duck yeah. bills. We'll have to add those in there. Huh. Yeah. Anybody know anything about this New Brunswick hillbilly? Yes. Well, you, you're hearing me right now on the headset that he <laughs> kindly donated um, to improve the audio quality. That is the Frelate. Really? Yeah, you're you're enjoying sultry Frelate tones because Ooh. MB Hillbilly sent me a real headset. Here we go. 
Yeah. He's okay. Man. Yeah. He's, he sent us a picture. Yes, he did. Can you uh, want to uh, describe it? Yeah, it's a Colt assault rifle. <laughs> it, he obviously got bored in the lunchroom at work, took the salt shaker, dumped it on the table, and formed the pile of salt into the shape of a uh, modern sporting rifle, if you will, with an optic and a vertical hand grip and a full-capacity magazine. And it has Colt written on the side of it. So, <laughs> yeah. He yep. says, well, I guess there is such a thing after all. And all this time I thought they were mis- uh, mistaken. Never miss a show. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I also that, have uh, the... I'll add that image to the uh, to the show post in Facebook. N- nice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have a bug assault, thanks to uh, Chris Anderson. A bug assault? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a pump-action gun that you put table salt in and you use it for shooting uh, flies around your house or spiders on your front deck. Hmm. It's called the bug assault. Because you assault bugs with salt. <laughs> you not seen one of these, Kelly? You should call it the bug no. assault gun. Yeah, you're going to have to Google that, Kelly. Bug assault. Bug assault. Yeah. Okay, why don't you read the next one? Because I can't read tonight, and I'll Google bug assault. <clears throat> All right, sounds good. So this one is from Mark with a K. Hey, guys and gal. Just wanted to send a comment about the September 8th episode, number 171. But first, I want to thank you guys and gal for doing what you do and sharing your experiences and knowledge with everyone. Always entertaining and always informative. A listener was asking about travel to his RV with restricted firearms. As you had mentioned, we dis- we did discuss this exact question when you guys were out in Alberta for the course back in August. By the way, Mark Cook's great steak. He fed us steak that day, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it was rare, but basically he knocked off the horns, wiped its butt, put it on my plate. It's amazing. To clarify, here's what I learned from a few calls with the Alberta CFO. Traveling with an RV is no different than traveling to the range or competition and staying with friends or at a hotel. Because my RV is a semi is semi-permanent at its location, I was told by one CFO employee that I would need to fill out a secondary storage application, which I did and was denied for the reason that the RV is mobile. In the end, I got to talk to I got to talk with a team coordinator at the CFO, and the conclusion was that taking my firearms to the RV when I was planning to visit the range during my RV stay was no different than any other case of traveling and staying at a hotel with friends or pulling my RV to another range. P.S. Five gold stars, five count them, five, and two Hobbit thumbs, which I'm very partial to. Thank you, Mark. Cheers, Mark with a K. So, for the listener who had the RV question, mm-hmm. I hope that helps. And, uh, yeah, his RV being, um, he thought he would be good because it's semi, semi-permanent semi at his location. So, what he means by that is he parks it in uh, a location in among other RVs, big fifth wheels and stuff, and they're seasonal. They stay there all season. They don't leave every weekend. The RV or the trailer or the fifth wheel or whatever is parked there, and there's, like, landscaping. There's a deck attached to the front of it. I mean, these things are basically mobile cottages that you park for the whole summer. So, yeah. Hmm. All right. From Colin, who's got that? I'll take it. I'll try it. How's are that? you sure? I, you can do I'll this. Try. You I got this. I believe this. you. I take it one word at a time whenever you're ready. Hello, hosts. <laughs> Hello, hosts of Slam Fire Radio. I have a question or two for all of you. Have you have any of you tried the Theron uh, Defense carbines? Wrong. If yes, 
they're on? They're on the carbines. If yes, then how does it compare uh, to something like the JR carbine? Are there any pistol caliber carbines uh, you recommend, preferably 9mm? I'm considering purchasing a pistol caliber carbine for IDPA matches and would like one that takes the SIG P226 mags. I'm pretty sure that Theron uh, Defense is the only one making carbines uh, that use those mags. But I could be wrong. Thank you, Colin. Um, I Not that you brought it up, Colin, but I do believe that the Caltech Sub-2000 will take SIG, Beretta, and Glock. Um, I know the Just Right Carbine takes Glock. I have shot both the Theron and the Just Right, and I found the ergonomics of the Just Right closer to an AR-15 than the Theron. I also found the aesthetics of the JR um, better. Uh, I would agree with that. I think yeah. uh, I think the JR is uh, now uh, if if you're looking to you know make use of your Sig mags and uh, and have less stuff to take to the range that makes sense. But if you if you if you don't want to get into it because the mags are expensive, like you can get those Magpul Glock mags for cheap. So if if that's all that's holding you back, I would say get the JR and uh, and run. Oh with yeah, the, but uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking, but but he's thinking IDPA. I know when we used to run uh, matches with pistol caliber carbines for the first couple that we did i would have my glock 17 and my sub 2000 same ah, case same mag yeah so you <laughs> can you know you got uh targets at distance you can grab the pistol mag and throw it in the carbine as opposed to in the pistol mm-hmm. yeah no, same ammo sense. same caliber the only thing i like about the Thuron defense is it comes in 10 millimeter which yeah. which makes for you know a decent deer gun from a tree stand inside like you know 40 yards you you roll up your own 150 or 165 grain um 10 millimeter rounds and load them really snotty super hot mm, make for a nice little uh nice little effective package 10 rounds of 10 millimeter and a pistol carbine yes please yep okay but i don't know if the jr does i know the jr comes in nine and i know it comes in 45 so, but yeah, given the choice in nine millimeter, I'll take the JR over the Theron. Okay. And Adriel concurs, and Kelly has not tried them. Nope. Nope. Okay. But stay I'm away. Not. Stay away from the sub two thousand. Okay. It's okay. It's just it's, it's junk. Cheap. It's, it's cheap. overpriced junk. <laughs> it's not overpriced. It is. Well, overpriced. It, is a, it is overpriced in Canada. If we exactly. had it for U.S. pricing, this, then, would, this I, would be a mood yeah, issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know I thought it was cool at first when I had it. Like I had a aluminum camera case basically which i don't think i would use today because there's that whole thing about your gun case needs to look like a gun case Mm -hmm. but inside the aluminum camera case or i guess you could call it a pistol case you'd open it up and i had my folded um caltech sub 2000 all decked out with all the red line precision parts and a red dot on it and i had my glock 17 i had a bunch of 10 round mags and i had three Pin to 10, of course, 33-round stick mags. Like, that was a nice little package. Just pick up this case, and there's a carbine and a pistol and a whole pile of mags. And But, you know, you shoot the you shoot the Sub-2000 for a little while, it starts to fall apart in your hands, right? So people that say, oh, they're great, put a substantial amount of rounds through them and get back to me. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> From just. <laughs> From Justin, he's saying, I live in BC and I have a new job in Edmonton. Uh, the thing I am uncertain That's about... That's a commute and a half right there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'm uncertain about is I'm planning on taking my three non-restricted rifles with me. 
the thing is, I don't have a new address yet, and I won't until I'm in Edmonton. Will uh, will this be a problem? Also, do I need to contact the CFO office about this or just the Canadian Firearms Program? I put this in the show because I saw it in our in our inbox and somebody replied to him and I didn't agree with the answer. No disrespect to my fellow co-hosts. <laughs> but I have a friend who used to work at the Miramichi Firearms Office and this was always a problem for sending out renewals. People move across this country all the time and they, they are not as active in the community as we are and they don't think about their pal they got their pal back in 95 and it's in their wallet and they forget about it they're not buying guns every other week like adriel and i so the problem occurs when you move and don't notify the canadian firearm center that you've moved you could miss an important correspondence but you could also more importantly miss the notification of the renewal of your firearms license then your license ends up being expired big problem with restricteds but still a problem with non-restricted and it'll probably get discovered when you go to buy ammunition and they look to see your card and your card's been expired for like eight months. Well, now, because there's a 90-day grace period after it expires, that reminds me I have an update on my online renewal. Now, the 90 days is potentially expired and that's it. You're now in a legal possession of firearms. And if you get the right cop stops you on the side of the road and you've got a hunting gun in the back seat and your pal's expired and it's been expired for more than 90 days, you could be in a world of trouble. So, yeah, always let the Canadian Firearms Center know that you're moving. You don't have to notify the CFO office because they handle the restricted end of things and they certify ranges. They're not so worried about your, your shotgun. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I... You know, when you call the firearm center to um, transfer a restricted firearm, one of the options, it tells you if you want to check the status of your license renewal, you can now do so online. Typical government, right? I renewed my PAL online. I got a confirmation number and uh, they charged my credit card. But then that was it. There was no email or anything. It was just a, a confirmation number that came up on the screen. I thought I lost it. I didn't. But anyway, so... Uh, I thought I would check because it had been a couple of weeks and I log on to the website to check the status of my renewal. No records found. I'm like, oh, seriously? Uh-huh. What did I do wrong? So anyway, I called and I looked it up and I'm like, it says I could do this online, but it said that there was nothing, no record. And she's like, well, that's odd because you didn't just do this yesterday. I'm like, that's what I thought. Anyway, she confirmed that my uh, license has been sent to the uh, New Brunswick CFO for final approval. Cool. Yeah. So I take it that the photo that I had taken worked out because I just took basically I took a selfie with my cell phone and attached it. it looked awful. I hadn't slept that day and didn't have any coffee. When they see the picture, I'm probably going to get rejected. <laughs> they were like, this guy should be a radio host. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to pick on me, you can send an email to slamfireradio.com. Yeah. <laughs> or Kelly can script your, your emails as well. <laughs> we, have, we have iTunes, by the way. Yes, thank Whoa. you to the Appleseed Princess. Yeah, she sent us There one. can be only one. Hey. I'm not saying it's a contest or nothing. I'm not saying I'm picking sides. I'm just putting that out there. I, 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 just I get whose side you're picking there. <laughs> Is it obvious? Yeah. So I left a... CCFR t-shirt in her car at the charity shoot that I bought for my cousin's new husband. Yes. And apparently the dog's been laying on it or something, so I gotta get a replacement. So yeah. Stacy, if you're listening, you can give the shirt to your dog. It's all good. Alright. iTunes reviews. Adriel, do you want to read this one? I'll do my best. From Woodsman J. 
five stars. Fall is among us. Uh, review. Hey Should guys. Should that be upon us? Yeah, I'm gonna read it as written. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey guys, as always, great podcasting. Always look forward to the weekly shenanigans that happen on air. Frosty, remember when you just came on board with the C- uh, SFR crew, and now it's like you have been on since day one. You always contribute lots of good info. How are your rapid prototypes coming along? I'm struggling to find good objects on Thingiverse that are gun-related. Well, I think I'm going to make a... I'm just going to cut from the, from the review for just a second here. I'm going to put together an article that has like a link, uh, all the links I can find to all the stuff that I think is like worthwhile. Um, what else do we got here? I have, uh, I have drawn a few things to print myself, but the MakerBot is so inaccurate and has sloppy tolerances. Your episode 171 on duck hunting was great. Your guest inquired about getting a pro on to talk about dogs. I would recommend Ron Boehm from the Hunting Dog Podcast. He's nice. a real hoot to uh, listen to. Loves drinking beer and smoking cigars during his podcasts. Uh, that is all. Cheers for now. Jordan from Napanee. By the Napanee. way, by the yep. way, Adriel, it was episode 171. I said 171. Yeah, you did. Yep. I didn't say 170 and one or 171. Come on. Uh, so, yeah, man, I think having Ron on would be a fantastic idea. Cool. We'll talk about yep. hunting dogs and yeah. beer and drinking cigars. and Shooting shooting beer and eating <laughs> cigars. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. Uh, We're due for a hunting show soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jordan? I'll, I'll, I'll do uh, I'll do a, uh, an article with like a, a bunch of links to all the different gun stuff I had. Kelly, you got a, a grip plug that I sent over. Did it work? Did yes, it's awesome. Thank you. Does it like fit and like do anything? Like it should get, offer a little bit more grip at the bottom of the gun, right? Yeah, it does. Sweet. So there's one of awesome. the things. Glock 17 grip plug. You can print one of those up. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Yep. You did mine in pink. <laughs> I got pink, blue, and black, and I like pr- I like printing things in pinks. It's funny. Just remember, Kelly, you can't use it in a Nipsick match. Yeah, I know. It's All right. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyways, Jordan, hoping you're coming out to the shoot on Saturday. It's ladies only, but you can also come out and say hey to me and Tracy and Kelly. Just go. saying. Okay. So um, right now we have uh, 140. Wow. Five-star uh ratings and that's 108 from canada 28 from the u.s one from the u.s one from the uk one from lithuania and one for belgium so anybody else out there in the whole entire world send us a rating or two or seven and make sure it's funny we'll get it on well it doesn't really matter it doesn't even have we read them all yeah yeah we'll read them all yeah okay are we kidding we are not proud (laughs) like at all no we're not really at all no, yeah. and yeah, people are giving us hobbit thumbs and duck bills and platypus claws. I mean, it's, <laughs> we just well, keep it all. We yeah, it. yeah. All right. Okay. So shout outs uh, to to the um, Miramichi crew who put on the provincial championships this year. These guys rebuilt their range from the ground up. When I started shooting at the Miramichi Sportsman Club for Ipsic matches, there was one berm. And they've expanded that range more and more all the time. Two years ago, I was asked, do you think we could get the Miramichi Club to host the Provincials? And I love those guys, but I said, nope, no way, no how. You couldn't get all those people on that range. So they, you know, Chris Kingston has always said, build it and they will come. 
and sh- and Miramichi built it, and they came. It was one of the biggest provincials that I've been to in New Brunswick since I started Nipsic back in 2011 on a range that I didn't think would ever be able to host a level three match. And they they built a they put up berms, they built new props, and they did a fantastic job. So to all the guys in Miramichi, very proud of you guys. You outdid yourselves, and uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll be back there next year for the same match. So good job, awesome. everybody. And uh, I had a shout out for the listener that sent me the uh, the different piston for the the Pardis. So this listener had sent me a Weatherby piston for that was a, a different style piston. The one that it comes with works with light loads with heavy like three inch duck duck loads, for example. It really beats up the inside of the receiver. And I finally got to try it last weekend, and it worked great. I thought like it was too loose in there or too heavy, but no, it, it cycled the gun just fine, and it didn't beat it up quite as bad. Now I, I was just I don't know if you guys can hear me typing in the background there but i'm just madly looking for the name of that uh, that listener i can't seem to find it but uh thank you anyways for uh, for sending that piston out because uh, it worked a treat awesome and i have a shout out to everybody in ohio great time especially to red ranch uh staying at the ranch it was awesome uh stacy mario and steve everybody working so hard to put the apple seed on and also brian and jason great to see you guys again and brian thank you for letting the rain hold off while we what we shot on Saturday and then it basically ripping apart the range on Saturday night. That's it for shoutouts for me. Patreon, Patreon supporters. And we have Mark P, Justin D and Justin, somebody else who donated three Oh three for the month. And we also have three Oh three. Love the, love the caliber contributions. Yeah. yeah. You know, 50 BMGs is caliber. I'm just saying, <laughs> Hey, 50 bucks a month. <laughs> Hey, I shot one of those in Ohio. Did you know that? I heard that. <laughs> Saw a picture of you all laying prone, shooting the big gun. Good you job. Yeah. So Jonathan S., uh, Tyler A., Richard D., uh, Rob B., Thomas S., Chad G., Kevin L., Ryan B., Adrian R., Rob B., and Mike R. You guys are amazing, and you're helping us uh, get out to everybody. So thank you very much for being all Patreon supporters. We're going to actually have a meeting and see what we can do about that too. Right. Right guys. Yeah. We need to, we need to get on this. We promised the Patreon supporters exclusive content. And probably I predict that the uh, flood of Patreon supporters is going to start to go down to a trickle until we start um, offering premium content to our Patreon supporters. And then people will want to access that content and, and we will get more people on board. So um, yeah, it's, it's in the works guys. Okay. So just wanted to let everybody know that uh, go on out and join one of our National Firearms Associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA. Uh, It's important to support them, especially with everything that's going on and also the hints of stuff that's going to be happening in the next little while as well. Um, Also, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Uh, We have a thread there that you can actually comment on, go and listen to some of the episodes or also just, you know, communicate with us. Mm, Yeah, and a shout-out, actually. You mentioned Gun Owners of Canada. Shout yeah. out to the crew over there at Gunners of oh, Canada. Yeah. yeah, they came out with their coin, and uh, Slamfire Radio received, uh, and by Slamfire Radio, I mean me. It was sent to me. I'm just, I just want to <laughs> yeah, it's all about you. Yeah. Um, number 19. So thank you very much. It's very nice looking. I mean, it's being housed here, but it's our coin. You know. Yeah, like, really. We'll, we'll share it. No, we won't. No, you're right. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, 
like us on Facebook. We have 1,528. How was that, Trevor? Perfect. Excellent. Uh, likes on Facebook. We also have 110 nope. thumbs up. <laughs> There's no letter A in the number 100. 110 thumbs One, up. Yeah. Look, Kelly, right. you be you. Don't listen to Trevor. You be I you. I know. <laughs> 20 gold stars and counting. Excellent. Uh, two flukes, four manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space. This is getting long, you guys. It's getting ridiculous. One HK logo, two the hobbit thumbs, five duck bells, and two squirrel nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think perhaps the joke has run its course. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like a junk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this really weird the back. junk drawer. Okay, and on that note, everybody, have a great week. Good night. Brass prep sucks. <laughs> Wait, that's the other show. Uh, yeah, it is. So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail dot com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Oh,